0: The What Are We Doing podcast and the Aquatic Biosphere Project acknowledges that we are located on Treaty 6 territory and respects the histories, languages, and cultures of First Nations, Métis, Inuit, and all First Peoples of Canada, whose presence continues to enrich our vibrant community. Welcome to today's deep dive episode of the What Are We Doing podcast. Today, we're talking with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, all about food fraud, mislabeling of seafood, seafood supply chains, and why all of this is just so confusing in the Canadian marketplace. How can we actually know what we're going to be putting on our plate? This was actually the first interview that I conducted for the podcast, and I can tell you, I was absolutely petrified to start off this process, but Dr. Sylvain was a a great guest. He was so kind and so um, polished with his own podcasting voice because he has his own podcast as well. So please don't mind my first attempt at interviewing someone for a podcast and sit back, relax, and get ready to learn a little bit more about seafood supply chains and food fraud in Canada. Air.
1: Fasser. Money. Ji. Moana. Umi. Tubi. Água. Lo. Enjil.
0: Nihu. Nei. Lu. Voda. Miri. Eichi. Chai. Shui. Wadi.
1: Wai. Nero. Água. Voda.
0: Water we doing and how can we do better your one-stop shop for everything water related from discussing water its use and the organisms that depend on it for all the global issues that you really never knew all had to do with water i'm your host david evans from the aquatic biosphere project and i just want to ask you something what are we doing and how can we do better Hi, and welcome to another Deep Dive episode of the What Are We Doing podcast. Today, we're talking with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. So, Dr. Charlebois, do you mind introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about what you do and what your lab does and uh, your work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, thank you for the invitation, David. Uh, so, my name is uh, Sylvain Charlebois. I am the director of the agri Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University uh, in Canada. And, uh, what we do at the lab is to try to understand the future of food, essentially. And, uh, so we do, uh, we, we try to, we use technologies like machine learning, uh, to forecast, uh, different phenomena. Uh, and of course with COVID, uh, things got really, really busy and tricky at the same time. Cause all of a sudden we had all of these projects Happening all at once, uh, and because we had a lot of people coming to us to ask questions about, um, well, what's going to happen? The pandemic brought a lot of a lot of uncertainty uh, into our lives, and uh, especially in in relation to food security. And so that's why we wanted to uh, to do more work in that area. So yeah, we've been we've been busy uh, doing uh, running anywhere between ten to fifteen projects all at once our flagship project is the is Canada's food price report, which is released every December. Uh, and that's, uh, in, uh, uh, in partnership with the University of Guelph, the University of Saskatchewan and the University of British Columbia in, uh, in Vancouver. So, uh, we're working on, we've been working on that report for a few months now and we're releasing it on December 9th.
0: Well, that's, that's pretty awesome. We're going to have to keep an eye out for that and, uh, Sounds like you've been quite busy.
1: Yeah, it's been uh it's been uh a bit tricky of course because we're all uh we're all at home and so we have a team of um of anywhere between 15 to 20 people working in lab but we haven't seen each other. And so to coordinate uh, releases, to coordinate research, we're, we are social scientists. So that does help. We don't really have a lab to uh, test things, and and we can all do our work with computers uh, everywhere, but still uh, coordinating uh, work together hasn't been that easy.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a new world that we're living in, and that's kind of what I was hoping to chat with you about today as well. So I, I know you're an expert with food security and supply chains, and I'm not entirely sure how much work you do with seafood particularly, but I was hoping to pick your brain a little bit about seafood supply chain management in Canada and some of the issues with mislabeling of products, traceability uh, that are being brought to brought to the attention of the Canadian consumers these days.
1: Yeah, um, the seafood or fisheries is probably... Uh, the one sector I know the least because we've done uh, – over the last 20 years, I've been doing some studies on uh, food distribution and policy uh, in relation to sectors like beef, pork, uh, arctic culture. Uh, we're currently working with the uh, province of New Brunswick on uh, on food security, but it's, it's related to arctic and greenhouses uh, we even we've done some work on cannabis as well but fisheries and seafood is not necessarily a sector i personally know very well i've always considered the uh, the sector to be a little bit obscure it's it's difficult to understand of course i've been i've been uh, i've had the opportunity to talk to some uh, stakeholders in the sector over the years, and uh, yeah, I, I, I quickly understood that uh, that uh, transparency is not necessarily a priority. <laughs> There's a lot of things going on <laughs> out yeah. there that really concerns not only me, but of course a lot of people, including consumers and the uh, Canadian Food Inspection Agency. And when you look at uh, the importance of the sector in, in our economy, Uh, it's you you need to take care of it but and and at the same time you have to when you think about ocean sustainability when you think about um, uh, in uh, food chain integrity and and this whole issue of food fraud that's certainly one area that I've uh, actually worked a lot uh, in uh, over the last little while
0: yeah yeah I think it's such an interesting issue that I don't believe actually gets the press that it really truly deserves with the percentage of seafood that typically goes misrepresented or mislabeled throughout Canada and throughout the marketplace. Well, there,
1: there, there is a, uh, I mean, there already uh, this week, there, there's been some reports uh, related to smoke fish in Montreal. Uh, and uh, there are concerns that, uh, that uh, species may not be properly labeled, uh, and, and also there's, uh, there's some concerns about food safety as well related to, to, uh, counterfeited yeah, products. So it's, it's really, it's a messy, messy, uh, sector. And, uh, there's been some studies suggesting that there's a, uh, there's a lot of work to be done there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be, the more I look into it, the more I, I uh, I get confused by it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I guess one question is, as a consumer, if I'm going to the grocery store and I'm going to go buy some seafood, why should I care if it isn't actually the species that it says on the label and whether it's farmed or wild-caught? Why, why, as a consumer, should I be worried about that?
1: Well, it's a good question. I mean, a lot of people actually... Do not care, I mean they they believe well I'm paying a price and uh, and when I bring the product home, I'm pretty satisfied with the product. Uh, I'm not really concerned about my health either. When I go to the restaurant, um, what I order is very good, and so why should I care about the species the, the there are two reasons I think one uh, when you think about substitution, uh, you are looking at uh, e- economically motivated crimes. I mean, you are going to be substituting one species uh, uh, with another, and that other species uh, species will likely be cheaper. And uh, so, you are cheated in some way as a consumer. And and still, they may not be enough for people to, to feel concerned about the the other concern that uh, that I have, certainly as economists, is that as soon as you actually uh, allow uh, this kind of behavior to occur, you, you're not you're not helping um, you're not helping uh, innovative businesses. Uh, which want to operate uh, with high integrity and honesty. And uh, so you're basically penalizing good behavior and people who actually do want to charge more for food because it is worth more. And frankly, in in the era of cheap food, which is exactly the era we're in right now, although it's starting to shift as a result of, uh, of what's been happening in the marketplace in recent years, um, the, you, can, you do see uh, that uh, there is some complacency which is unfortunate. and uh, and the more the more fraud occurs, the more likely you're penalizing the good companies out there who are actually quite honest. I would actually add a third element, which is the element of, uh, of public health. Some people out there are actually allergic to, to sp- specific species,, oh, wow. uh, especially when it comes to seafood. And if your product is not properly labeled, you could actually endanger the lives of certain consumers, Uh, and so that's another danger. If you uh, with substitution or adulteration, it is is certainly uh, there's certainly a risk. Uh, Sunflower or or olive oil is certainly one good example because uh, there's been a lot of Mm, adulteration happening with with olive oil. And uh, olive oil was replaced uh, with canola or, or sunflower oil. And sunflower oil is is a problem for people who are allergic to nuts, uh, for example. And so uh, this is why, as soon as you have the the ultimate outcome of food fraud is mislabeling. If your product is mislabeled, uh, it's a problem for a lot of people who are absolutely vulnerable and we actually believe that anywhere between 12 to 15% of canadians are allergic to one at least one type of food product so there there's a lot of us out there who are a little bit vulnerable
0: 12 to 15
1: 12 to 15% That's yes huge. Wow. and and of course you have intolerances and uh, and those allergies, of course, are self-reported. They're not. They're not. They're not uh, diagnosed. Uh, mm. I should. I should tell you, because <laughs> uh, with uh, <laughs> with diagnosed data, it's it's very difficult to. Uh, It's very difficult to know exactly what the number is.
0: That's really interesting because I've also heard about the misrepresentation of selling one species for another, um, but using bycatch as well. Even reports of endangered species being sold as your normal cod or rockfish or something like that. There's about 100 different species of rockfish that can go by the common name of rockfish. But just because one is a commercially viable fishery doesn't mean that all 100 species are, but they can all be put under the same label.
1: Exactly. And so there's I mean, there are so many species and it's quite confusing uh, for for anyone. You have to be really a specialist to know the difference between two species. And uh, from a price perspective, uh, you can from one species to another, you can actually see a huge difference uh, in terms of quality and, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite easy to trick, uh, people, uh, in, 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 food service in particular. I mean, Oceana did a study a few years ago, uh, looking at restaurants in five major cities in Canada and, uh, anywhere between 30 to 75% of, of dishes were served, um, They were served with the wrong species or species ordered,
0: so you can see. Incredible.
1: uh, When when you when you add wine and sauces, it's much more difficult to distinguish the difference, and 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 some people do take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's just so sad to see that. Yeah, one of the steps we'll be taking is is actually doing our own little study with taking some samples of seafood collected here in Edmonton and sending them into the labs at the University of Guelph for uh, DNA testing to see whether it is exactly what we expect it is it says on the label or not
1: yeah and the Barcode of Life project at Guelph and I used to be at Guelph and worked with uh, with uh, Dr. Bob Hanner and his team and Mm, uh, and it's such a it's such a great uh, initiative and and certainly if you haven't if you haven't interviewed Bob, you should. You should because he's he's just a great guy when it comes to uh, to fraud uh, and 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 food fraud. He's done some great work. Uh, that database uh, will become highly value, valuable to really detect uh, food fraud. And and frankly, the, the most challenging thing about food fraud is to is to understand uh, where the problem is. Uh, supply chains, yeah. food supply chains, are very complicated. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of people may actually decide to blame the retailer or the restaurateur, but often that person is not, in, is not necessarily responsible and so, uh, a, or wouldn't have the capacity to really evaluate the species that he's selling, he or she is selling. And so to actually detect what the problem actually is across the supply chain is not easy.
0: Yeah, I guess from my point of view, when you go to a store, there seems to be a lot more labeling for organic produce, or this is a farm to table product, you can actually go to farmers markets, or there's a lot of a push maybe in the local media about eating locally. It seems to be that with different produce now, there's more of a push for knowing where it actually came from, and its journey to get from the farm to your table. So whether that be other meat, beef, poultry, or if it's other produce, but seafood is still seems to be really shrouded in secrecy, especially now knowing that a lot of these labels aren't actually advertising what's in the package. Why do we place so much trust in consumer labels on packaging?
1: Labels are really the most powerful and influential instruments we have to communicate risk to Consumers. I mean, that's really what we have, right? When we go into a store, uh, we're not going to talk. We don't have time to talk to everyone to make to make the proper decision for us. So we will look at the package. If we have time, we'll look at the label. The first thing people will look is obviously the price, and then of course they'll look perhaps more uh, in more details, depending of whether or not they have intolerances, allergies. They'll 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 be curious to know what's actually in the product. It's actually happening more and more, but it's not happening all that often. I mean, it's, it's. I, I don't really, about 10 years ago, I rarely saw someone reading a label in a grocery store. I'm seeing it a little bit more now, but still not a whole yeah. lot. I mean, you're not going to look at all of your labels uh, as you buy products in a grocery store. So, but still that one thing is probably the most important tool we have to communicate risk to to the public and if that tool is inaccurate that's when you really create a a very dangerous marketplace for for consumers
0: labeling we, we place so much blind trust i find in it and it's something that we have to remember is is still marketing it's still set up in a certain way so that you read it, um, yeah, there, there's it can, no, there's, it no there's no
1: there's no there's no there's not a problem with blind trust uh, it has to be deserved, though. and uh, and I know yeah. that really the CFIA now is uh, is now looking more often into food fraud and and frankly, of late, it's been doing a much better job. Uh, I would say five years ago, this FIA really never considered food fraud as 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 a problem. Which fits their mandate. It's mandate. It's mm. it's it was really bizarre because for the longest time, uh, I've been arguing that the CFI should be looking into uh, into food fraud a little bit more seriously. But they were they were ill equipped uh, at the CFI. You ha- you have they've always looked uh, at food through the lens of a microbiologist or food scientists where pathogens are the enemy well when you think about it food fraud has nothing to do with pathogens <laughs> really or, or <laughs> no, outbreaks it i mean it, it's it's about cr- criminal yeah. behavior and 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 yeah. companies making bad decisions and so, switch. It, exactly and and frankly the, the, the some of the studies that we we've we've conducted uh really allow the cFI to better understand uh that this this is this is a true problem that it's not gonna go away anytime soon I mean food fraud has been around for over two thousand years. The first reported cases actually goes back to the uh to the Roman Empire. This is not a new problem wow. the, the, what's what's different yeah. now is yeah. Is the technology that we have and and consumer expectations? They are expecting really not to be uh, not to be misled, and so you need a federal agency to do its work as much as possible. But the one thing we've noticed is that companies will tend not to want to commit fraud, but they do they do so accidentally, and uh, mm-hmm. and once they get away with it. They'll just continue on. Like for example, they 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 order an ingredient, uh, and they they get a package, and it's the wrong ingredient, and it's half price. Uh, they're not oh. gonna say. They're not gonna say, "Oops." Yeah. Uh, they're gonna go, "Okay, well, we bought it, so might as well use it," and then. They realize it's not really compromising the taste the look of the product yeah and, uh, and they'll just continue on and and that's seems to be the behavior that we see often and often again
0: that's scary, I gotta say that <laughs> that's uh that's worrying,
1: yeah, I mean there are there are other i mean in fish and 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 seafood you see you see a lot of substitution going on uh in in produce uh, the, the most famous canadian case is, is Moochie farms uh, just north of toronto uh Mucci farms uh was uh they were selling uh mexican tomatoes as canadian for 3 years um oh. they yeah so you a lot of people thought they were buying canadian yeah. tomatoes but they were actual Actually, they were from Mexico, and so they did charge a premium for for that. And uh, but they got caught. I mean, th- that investigation lasted for well over three years, cost maybe this FIA well over three hundred fifty thousand dollars to really uh, accumulate enough evidence to show in court that there was there was a problem. And so, uh, so that really is something that. Uh, that uh, that became a problem, and they were they really were able to gather enough evidence, which is uh, which is good news.
0: That is good news. So you're saying that within the last five years, the CFIA has really kind of embraced its role now more in the food fraud realm. Do you think it is poised to continue on and increase its ability to prosecute and eliminate food fraud from our grocery stores and our restaurants, or do you think there still needs to be a couple steps to help help the CFIA along the way? It's
1: uh, it's it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy for the CFIA for anybody to to. Uh, to show beyond reasonable doubt that there's intent to deceive uh, or intent to commit fraud. It's, it's very difficult to do. Even if you catch the company like Muchi farms, for example, never admitted guilt. They j- basically mm. said it was due to a computer glitch for three years. Oh, okay. And so th- this is really <laughs> the problem we face. Uh, I, I I have yet to see a company admitting guilt ever, ever. Mm. And so they always actually blame an accident or something like that, but it does have an impact on uh, how food is sold, how it's perceived, and, uh, and it does impact also innovation as well.
0: So I guess another aspect of that would be just the labeling of products in Canada. So how does Canada's labeling laws for different produce and products like seafood or in that, in that case, uh, tomatoes, uh, for a specific example, how does that compare to other countries? Are we behind the times compared to many countries or is, is Canada a leader in, in labeling of its uh, produce?
1: Well, I think we're, we're, we're okay. I mean, uh, we're doing better than we, we uh, used to. I mean, you have to keep in mind that Canada is not as complicated as Europe, for example, where well, you have 28 mm-hmm. countries, you got the East and the West, the corrupted East, the the wealthy West. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot going on there. So there's lots of fraud going on yeah. and in Asia it's even worse. Uh Canada is pretty straightforward and uh, it's not, uh, I mean, there, I don't think there's, there's, there's a way to eliminate fraud altogether. I think it's always going to be there. Uh, but it is, we will have a simpler job to limit the extent of food fraud in Canada versus other countries around the world just because of where we are. Uh, we don't have a. We do have a, a huge land, lots of space. But like I said, uh, we don't deal with 200 dialects and and uh, and a yeah. lot of different borders all over the place uh, on one continent. It's just. It's really just three uh, countries on in North America.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes it a lot easier working together on those different issues and and having those import areas narrowly defined.
1: That's right. Exactly.
0: I guess just for your average consumer out there, for anyone who who wants to go and find sustainably sourced seafood or other products in a Canadian marketplace, what, what would be your advice for someone going to the grocery store today?
1: If you go to a restaurant, look for a logo. Uh the one the most well-known one is uh is uh, Ocean Wise. That's certainly one that is uh, well recognized and uh, so you'll know for sure that that the species uh, uh that will be served to you in that restaurant uh, is traceable. Uh, that's one thing. So look for a certification of some sort. There are others as well. Uh, many of them are very credible. Uh, you you want you want to deal with a a restaurant operator that uh, who actually really recognize that food fraud is a problem, and uh, and by by promoting some of these certification programs is, is a sign. In a grocery store, I mean the most the best traceability system is to actually buy uh, anything with a head. <laughs> Because if you see that <laughs> head uh, you'll yeah. know for sure you're dealing with the right species but not all are experts like I I'm not an expert if I see a fish with the head yeah. I'm not gonna be hundred uh, percent sure uh, what I'm buying uh, so you just ask questions and it's uh, it's it's it boils down to trust and, and ask people where where they buy and if they have no idea where they buy, their food, uh, their fish and, and and seafood products, that's a bit of a problem. You, you want some sort of uh, comfort there.
0: Yeah, you need to have that conversation with the people who are providing that service to you to make sure that you're on the same page with that. Exactly. Well, thanks so much for taking uh, the time during your day. I know you have many other podcast interviews to get to today. <laughs> and you also have... Uh, some important work and uh, to get done. So I wanted to just thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and where can people find out more about you and more about your work?
1: Yeah. So uh, I, we can, first of all, I'm at Dalhousie university uh, in, in Halifax. And if you want to know more about what we do at the lab, you just basically Google agri-food analytics lab and at dalhousie university and you'll probably end up on our website and we have uh, we have a list uh, of all the projects all the reports we release in recent years and and they're all free so and we actually have uh, published a report on food fraud in uh, in the um, uh, fish and seafood sector uh, a couple of years ago, so you can actually look at it, and uh, you'll see that. Uh, I'll be some...
0: taking a look at that right after this. That's wonderful. <laughs> All right, absolutely, awesome. And I, I also heard that you have a, a podcast. Our listeners might be interested in listening to that as well.
1: Yeah, it's called the uh, the Food Professor, and uh, it's produced by Michael LeBlanc, and uh, so we both co-host the podcast and. Uh, Pretty much every week, we have uh, some special guests joining us. A couple of weeks ago, we had the president of PepsiCo Canada. Uh, last week, we had uh, the CEO of uh, Burnbury Farms, who just won uh, the uh, Golden Pencil, which is a prestigious award in the food industry. And um, next week, we're actually interviewing uh, Senator Rod Black. Uh, from ottawa so uh lots of variety there we go we interview politicians yeah. business folks uh we're probably going to be uh, interviewing researchers eventually as well
0: very very cool well thank you so much for spending the time dr charlebois and uh all the best to you and your lab and uh and your podcast all right take care I would just like to thank Dr. Sylvain Charlebois one more time because uh, he was such a fantastic guest. He knows so much. He is on so many podcasts. He's all over the news whenever there's a story about food, and it was really wonderful for him to take the time to speak with us on this program. Be sure to check out his website for the Agri-Food and Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University. The links will be in the description, and there will also be links for his podcast, The Food Professor, in the description as well so be sure to check those out very very cool content he and Michael LeBlanc doing a wonderful job on the podcast I can't recommend it highly enough thank you so much for listening to the what are we doing podcast it's been such an experience conducting these interviews and producing these episodes and it's been great to get lots of positive feedback about these episodes so unfortunately these are the last episodes for season one Fish fraud is our last topic that we're covering in this season, but don't worry, season two will be coming your way soon. I'm the host and producer, David Evans, and I would just like to thank the rest of the team from the Aquatic Biosphere Project, specifically to Paula Pullman, Sophie Severa, Anna Bettini, thanks for all of your help. To learn more about the Aquatic Biosphere Project and what we're doing here in Alberta telling the story of water, check us out at aquaticbiosphere.ca. And if you have any questions or comments about the show, we'd love to hear them. Email us at conservation at Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. It really helps us out. Thanks, and it's been a splash.